Chapter 2 of the Story of Young Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dina Rhodes. The Story of Young Abraham Lincoln by Wayne Whipple. Chapter 2 Abraham Lincoln's Father and Mother. While Thomas Lincoln was living with a farmer and doing odd jobs of carpentering, he met Nancy Hanks, a tall, slender woman with dark skin, dark brown hair, and small, deep-set gray eyes. She had a full forehead, a sharp, angular face, and a sad expression. Yet her disposition was generally cheerful. For her backwoods advantages, she was considered well-educated. She read well and could write, too. It is stated that Nancy Hanks taught Thomas Lincoln to write his own name. Thomas was twenty-eight, and Nancy twenty-three when their wedding day came. Christopher Columbus Graham, when almost one hundred years old, gave the following description of the marriage feast of the Lincoln bride and groom. I am one of the two living men who can prove that Abraham Lincoln, or Lincorn, as the family was miscalled, was born in lawful wedlock. For I saw Thomas Lincoln marry Nancy Hanks on the twelfth day of June, 1806. I was hunting roots for my medicine, and just went to the wedding to get a good supper, and got it. Tom Lincoln was a carpenter, and a good one for those days, when a cabin was built mainly with the axe, and not a nail, or a bolt, or hinge in it, only leathers and pins to the doors, and no glass, except in watches, and spectacles, and bottles. Tom had the best set of tools in what was then and is now Washington County. Jesse Head, the good Methodist minister that married them, was also a carpenter or cabinet maker by trade, and as he was then a neighbor, they were good friends. While you pin me down to facts, I will say that I saw Nancy Hanks Lincoln at her wedding, a fresh-looking girl, I should say over twenty. Tom was a respectable mechanic and could choose, and she was treated with respect. I was at the inn fair, too, given by John H. Parrott, her guardian, and only girls with money had guardians appointed by the court. We had bear meat, venison, wild turkey and duck's eggs, wild and tame, so common that you could buy them at two bits a bushel, maple sugar swung on a string to bite off for coffee, syrup in big gourds, peach and honey, a sheep that the two families barbecued whole over coals of wood burned in a pit and covered with green boughs to keep the juices in. Our table was of the puncheons cut from solid logs, and the next day they were the floor of the new cabin. Thomas Lincoln took his bride to live in a little log cabin in a Kentucky settlement, not a village or hardly a hamlet, called Elizabethtown. He evidently thought this place would be less lonesome for his wife while he was away hunting and carpentering than the lonely farm he had purchased in Hardin County, about fourteen miles away. There was so little carpentering or cabinet-making to do that he could make a better living by farming or hunting. Thomas was very fond of shooting, and as he was a fine marksman, he could provide game for the table, and other things which are considered luxuries today such as furs and skins, needed for the primitive wearing apparel of the pioneers. A daughter was born to the young couple at Elizabethtown, whom they named Sarah. Dennis Hanks, a cousin of Nancy, lived near the Lincolns in the early days of their married life, 
and gave Mrs. Eleanor Atkinson this description of their early life together. Looks didn't count them days nohow. It was strength and work and daredevil. A lazy man or a coward was just pison, and a spindlin' feller had to stay in the settlements. The clearance hadn't no use for him. Tom was strong, and he wasn't lazy nor afeard o' nothin', but he was kind of shiftless, couldn't get nothin' ahead, and didn't care particular. Lots o' them kind of fellers in arly days druther hunt and fish, and I reckon they had their use. They killed off the varmints and made it safe for other fellers to go into the woods with an axe. When Nancy married Tom, he was working in a carpenter shop. It wasn't Tom's fault he couldn't make a living by his trade. Thar was scarcely any money in that country. Every man had to do his own tinkering and keep everlastingly at work to get enough to eat. So Tom took up some land. It was mighty ornery land, but it was the best Tom could get when he hadn't much to trade for it. Poor? We was all poor them days, but the Lincolns was poorer than anybody, choppin' trees and grubbin' roots and splittin' rails and huntin' and trappin' didn't leave Tom no time. It was all he could do to get his family enough to eat and to kiver him. Nancy was terrible ashamed of the way they lived, but she knowed Tom was doin' his best, and she wa'n't the pesterin' kind. She was purty as a picture, and smart as you'd find em anywhere. She could read and write. The Hankses was some smarter'n the Lincolns. Tom thought a heap o' Nancy, and he was as good to her as he knowed how. He didn't drink or swear or play cards or fight, and then was drinkin' cussin' quarrelsome days. Tom was popular, and he could lick a bully if he had to. He just couldn't get ahead somehow. Nancy's Boy Baby Evidently, Elizabethtown failed to furnish Thomas Lincoln a living wage from carpentering, for he moved with his young wife and his baby girl to a farm on Nolan Creek, fourteen miles away. The chief attraction of the so-called farm was a fine spring of water bubbling up in the shade of a small grove. From this spring the place came to be known as Rock Spring Farm. It was a barren spot, and the cabin on it was a rude and primitive sort of home for a carpenter and joiner to occupy. It contained but a single room, with only one window and one door. There was a wide fireplace in the big chimney which was built outside, but that rude hut became the home of the greatest American. Abraham Lincoln was born to poverty and privation, but he was never a pauper. His hardships were those of many other pioneers, the wealthiest of whom suffered greater privations than the poorest laboring man has to endure today. After his nomination to the presidency, Mr. Lincoln gave to Mr. Hicks, a portrait painter, this memorandum of his birth. I was born February 12, 1809, in then Hardin County, Kentucky, at a point within the now county of LaRue, a mile or a mile and a half from where Hodgins Mill now is. My parents being dead, and my memory not serving, I know no means of identifying the precise locality. It was on Nolan Creek. June 14, 1860. A. Lincoln. The exact spot was identified after his death, and the house was found standing many years later. The logs were removed to Chicago for the World's Columbian Exposition in 1893, 
and the cabin was reconstructed and exhibited there and elsewhere in the United States. The materials were taken back to their original site, and a fine marble structure now encloses the precious relics of the birthplace of the first American, as Lowell calls Lincoln in his great commemoration ode. Cousin Dennis Hanks gives the following quaint description of Nancy's boy baby, as reported by Mrs. Eleanor Atkinson in her little book on Lincoln's boyhood. Tom and Nancy lived on a farm about two miles from us when Abe was born. I recollect Tom coming over to our house one cold morning in February and saying kind of slow, Nancy's got a boy baby. Mother got flustered and hurried up for work to go over to look after the little feller, but I didn't have nothing to wait for, so I cut and run the whole two mile to see my new cousin. You bet I was tickled to death. Babies wasn't as common as blackberries in the woods, O Kentucky. Mother come over and washed him and put a yaller flannel petticoat on him and cooked some dried berries with wild honey for Nancy and slicked things up and went home. And that's all the nussin' either of em got. I rolled up in a bi-skin and slept by the fireplace that night so's I could see the little feller when he cried and Tom had to get up and tend to him. Nancy let me hold him purty soon. Folks often ask me if Abe was a good-looking baby. Well now, he looked just like any other baby, at first, like red cherry pulp squeezed dry. And he didn't improve none as he growed older. Abe never was much for looks. I recollect how Tom joked about Abe's long legs when he was toddling round the cabin. He growed out o' his clothes faster'n Nancy could make em. But he was mighty good company, solemn as a papoose, but interested in everything. And he always did have fits o' cutting up. I've seen him when he was a little feller, sittin' on a stool, starin' at a visitor. All of a sudden he'd bust out laughin' fit to kill. If he told us what he was laughin' at, half the time we couldn't see no joke. Abe never give Nancy no trouble, after he could walk, except to keep him in clothes. Most of the time he went barefoot. Ever wear a wet buckskin glove? Them moccasins wasn't no protection against the wet. Birch bark with hickory bark soles, strapped on over yarn socks, beat buckskin all holler for snow. Abe and me got pretty handy contriving things that way. And Abe was right out in the woods about as soon's he was weaned, fishing in the creek, setting traps for rabbits and muskrats, going on coon hunts with Tom and me and the dogs, follering up bees to find bee trees, and drapping corn for his pappy. Mighty interesting life for a boy, but thar was a good many chances he wouldn't live to grow up. When little Abe was four years old, his father and mother moved from Rock Spring Farm to a better place on Knob Creek, a few miles to the northeast of the farm where he was born. End of chapter 2